In this episode of Pastor Brad Rocks, I'm so excited about today's podcast, man. I'm so glad you're here. Listen, today we're going to take a few minutes to think about who we are in Christ and who our enemy really is and why in Christ we never have to be afraid of him. I get to share my song with you called Back to the Pit. It's about exactly what we're going to be talking about. I'm fired up. It's a hard, hard rocking tune, man. Get your head banging ready to go here. It's going to be awesome. This is not an accident that you're here today. God is working in all of this, man. It's going to be fantastic. Are you ready? Let's do it. Pastor Brad here, your 80s heavy metal, head-banging, Jesus-loving online pastor. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Pastor Brad Rocks podcast. Hey, wherever you happen to be listening to this episode, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you're enjoying these podcasts, whatever platform you happen to be on, if you can leave a thumbs up or a comment or share this episode with a friend, that would be awesome to help the audience grow. God bless you, man. Thank you in advance so much for that. And now... Let's move on to the point of today's podcast. You know, the Bible is filled with teachings that encourage us not to be afraid. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. Now, that fear is a reverential fear, right? A respectful fear for God. If you don't fear the Lord, then you're going to be afraid of everything else. But once you come to have a proper, respectful fear of God, it pushes all the rest of the fear out of your life. The Bible says that God's perfect love casts out fear. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? If Christ is in us, we can do all things through him, right? It's an awesome transformation that takes place. Here's what the Bible says. In Psalm 23, verse 4, King David wrote this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and another translation for that would be the deepest, darkest, scariest valleys of my life, I will fear no evil. And then he tells us why, because you are with me. Another way to say you are with me is you are in my life. I have a relationship with you. I trust you. I walk with you. You are my God and I am your child. Friends, when we are in relationship with God and and through the New Testament, we're taught that we, we come to be in relationship with God by submitting our life to Jesus as Savior and Lord. We don't have to be afraid. A lot of really cool things happen, and I want to talk just about two of those today. Number one, I want to talk about who we become, who we are in Christ. And then secondly, I, I want us to talk about how we come to understand who the, who the enemy is. Uh, it, it gives us a new perspective on the devil. Man, when I was a kid, I used to I used to see pictures of the devil, portraits of, you know, artists' conceptions of him with that pitchfork and that long, you know, red pointed tail and those horns and fire and flames and, and yellow beaming eyes and all that stuff. And I'd see movies about demons and demon possession and it would just freak me out, man. I'd be so afraid of darkness. And I'm not saying to not respect, you know, evil for what it is and all that. But but I'm just saying, dude, I, I Jesus Christ has revolutionized that part of my life. I'm not afraid of that anymore. And and I don't want you to be either. And uh, I'm excited to share about this. Okay. So, so let's talk about who we are in Christ. First, we're a new creation. 
Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, if anyone, now anyone is a big word, okay? That tells me that there, are, there there's no parameters here that, that you can't squeeze into, okay? God is open. God, Jesus said, come to me anyone, whoever is thirsty, whoever is weary, whoever uh, is burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. So anyone, right? Who, John three sixteen. whoever believes in Jesus. I'm sorry, I just, I got to go off on that a little bit because that's a big deal. So anyway, if anyone is in Christ, submitted to him, surrendered to him, uh, said goodbye to their old life and Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my savior, I'm going to live for you. If you're in Christ, then guess what's, what's happened? A miracle has taken place. You are a new creation. You're a new person. The old is gone. The old you is dead. And there's a new you. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I love it. I love it. Now, now we need to kind of drill down into that because uh, while that's a theological truth, you might say, dude, I look at my life this last week and I'm not sure I look like a new creation. I don't always feel like a new creation, right? I get that. I totally get that. There's two big words you need to understand. They're foundational for the Christian life, okay? The first one is justification and the second one is sanctification. Now, let me unpack that very simply justification. The best way to define that word is just as if I never sinned. Okay. I love that. One of my Bible college professors taught me that definition and it just so simplifies what justification is about. When you surrendered your life to Christ, he justified you. He made you in his eyes because of the blood of Jesus, by his grace, he made you just like you'd never sinned before. So in his eyes, you are just as right with him as you'll ever be. You have a great relationship with him. All of all of uh, the punishment is gone. All the condemnation is gone. Paul says, for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. You've been justified. Okay, that's awesome. That has to do with your standing and your status with God. You're a child of God. It's awesome. None of that is based on your ability to be good enough or to earn it, right? It's all based on our surrender to, our submission to, our faith in, our trust in. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. So we, we turn to him, we trust him, and by his grace and his blood, he makes us new. He justifies us. That's awesome. It's kind of helpful to think of justification as a moment in time when you step out of an old life and and into a new walk with Jesus. When when by grace, God uh, uh, lifts you up and takes you out of the category of lost and puts you into the category of now you're my child, okay? Sanctification is all by his grace as well, but it's, it's the other side of the coin, okay? If you can think of justification as a moment in time when you trusted Christ and God lifted you out of the pit of brokenness and death and, and separateness from him, lostness, and he placed you then into the category of now you're my child, okay? So now you've been born again, and you're a baby in Jesus, and it's awesome. And babies are just as loved by the Father as full-grown, totally mature Christians, okay? It has nothing to do with your, uh, your, God's love for you has nothing to do, or his acceptance for you has nothing to do with, with how mature you are, or any of that, right? But, but God now begins to do this work in you. He begins to shape you and mold you. He calls you to sit at his feet and fill your mind up with his word, to replace stinking worldly thinking with godly good truth from his word. Now your mind begins to be transformed and you begin to understand the will of God. And you begin to look at people and life and attitudes and morality and ethics and your finances and every part of your life. You begin to look at it and see it through God's eyes 
and and what and that begins to change how you think that begins to to change what you value deep down inside all all spiritual growth happens from the inside out this is how sanctification happens you make decisions to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him transform you from the inside out this is what Jesus is talking about when he says I'm the vine you're the you're the branches if you abide in me if you stay plugged into me you let my life my truth you let my uh, my my power transform you from the inside out then guess what fruit's gonna come fruit's gonna come you're in that fruit is sanctification a holy life a life that reflects the character of Jesus so so you you, you walk with Christ and in you you're aware you're so powerfully and, and sometimes painfully aware of man I have this tendency man I have this hang up man I have this attitude I have this this habit and and Lord I know that it's not honoring to you so you continue to just walk with him sit with him worship with his people uh, you're plugged into a church you're worshiping with God's people you're receiving that encouragement and that koinonia that comes from being part of the body of Christ that is so so vital by the way I hope that you are plugged in and, and growing you continue to just pursue your walk with Christ just strive to grow in him. Those changes that are happening on the inside begin to produce a changed life on the outside. That's sanctification. It's spiritual growth. That's becoming more like Jesus, and that takes time. Um, so, number one, I don't want you to feel bad. It's like, dude, last week I had a horrible week. Why, why, why am I not a new creation anymore? Oh, of course you're a new creation. You're just a new creation that still lives in a body of flesh, and you're still on this side of heaven, and you still have temptations, and you still have appetites in your flesh, and so you battle with it. Romans chapter 7, Paul just lays it out there. He says, man, the good that I want to do, I, I so often struggle to do it in the sin that I hate. I find myself doing it. Ah, what am I going to do? I mean, he's just expressing himself in that. In 2 Corinthians, Paul, I think it's chapter 10, he talks about, we wage war, we're in a battle, we, we have to tear down strongholds and, and, and mindsets that come against us, we have to take th thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, because we still live in a broken world, in a broken flesh, we've been made new, we're justified, we're born again, but we still live in this flesh, and we're going to struggle with some aspects of that, but the longer we walk with the Lord, the more we grow up and who he's calling us to be, and uh, we mature, and that's sanctification. Next, we are loved. We are loved by God. Man, there's two verses of scripture that I think are super important here for us to consider. Number one, Romans chapter five, verse eight. God demonstrated his love, or he demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God didn't wait for us to get our act together. He initiated the process. He came and he laid the, the life of his son. His son, Jesus, came and laid his life down for us and then said, whosoever will come, I love you so much that I am opening the door for justification, right? Come. I love you. It's awesome. Then Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. These are kind of directed toward people who are walking with Jesus, and it's an encouragement. And Paul says, essentially, he gives this long list, but I'm just going to sum it up with the word nothing. He says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then he says a very important phrase, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen, Max Lucado said it perfect, man. God loves you right where you are. 
but he loves you too much to leave you there. The whole point of, of, of the gospel is to salvage you, to call you out of a life of brokenness, out of a life of selfishness, out of a life of flesh, and into a life where we die to our old life and we come, we're born again in Christ and we step into this life of following him as a disciple, which is a better life, a life of light and hope and joy and meaning and purpose and growth, becoming the, the very person that God created us to be in him. It's awesome. And God's love sustains us and, and, and upholds us and, and convicts us and challenges us and forgives us every step of the way. Next, we are blessed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And then notice this. He says, Paul says this again, in Christ. This is Paul's, this is one of his favorite phrases, by the way, in Christ. You, you want God's love? It's in Christ. You want God's blessing? It's in Christ. You want the life of God? It's in Christ. You want to escape condemnation? Paul says, there's therefore now, this is Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, okay? So keep your keep our eyes on him. We trust him and we're loved and we're blessed. We have every spiritual blessing, every. That's another big word, right? Every, you need joy. You need hope, you need strength, you need peace, you need strength to resist the devil, you need whatever, whatever. Every promise of God, the Bible says, is yes in Christ Jesus. You have everything you need to live a powerful, faithful life in Christ. It's awesome, every spiritual blessing. Next, we are filled with power. I love this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has given us his spirit, and he says that God has not given us here. He's not given us a spirit of fear. The spirit of God living in us doesn't make us afraid of, as a matter of fact, it pushes fear out. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The spirit of God will, will lead us to have a reverential fear of, of God, but that fear of God leads us to not have to be afraid of life or of people, or of anything else in this world. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Power to be my witnesses, power to stand up against the scary things of this life. The intimidators, those who, who, who try to push back against the kingdom, uh, those who maybe would persecute or, or belittle you for being a believer, you'll have power to stand up against that and to live a godly life. In Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, Paul says, God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we could ever ask or even imagine. Now pause. How much can you imagine? I can imagine a lot, man. Paul says, okay, but whatever the biggest you can imagine is, God just blows it away. He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we could ever ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work in us, in believers. Friends, you have all the power, you have all the blessing, you have all the love you need to live a, a joyful life life in Christ. He is with you, man. He loves you. He cares about you. It's awesome. He loves you. He is for you. He is in you. He is with you. And just like David said, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Now let's talk about our enemy here a little bit. Our enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the serpent, all those different names that are given to him. The first thing you need to understand is that he's defeated and he's powerless. He's defeated and he's powerless. So all these Hollywood flicks that that, that, that portray him as this all-powerful, awesome, whatever thing, it's, it's just baloney in comparison to what the Bible says about him, okay? First off, he's created. God created him, and so he can snuff him out in an instant anytime he wants. He is defeated and he is powerless. Revelation chapter 12. 
talks about the, the battle that happened in heaven. That Satan, who was his original name was Lucifer, he was a powerful angel in heaven. He was glorious. He got the big head, he got prideful, he wanted to be like God, he tried to um, you know, rebel and, and set himself up as something that he shouldn't have, and God put it down. Michael and the angels waged war against the devil and his angels, and they were cast down, cast out of heaven, a third of the angels with him. This is where we get our whole theology of where demons come from, and this is how the serpent ends up on the earth, cast down, and now he's the tempter. And he shows up in the garden. And if you read those first three chapters in Genesis, you see uh, God's warning not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's his one command. And of course, the tempter says, ah, oh, dude, Adam and Eve, you guys, God's holding out on you, man. He knows that when you eat of that fruit, you're going to be like God, which is, is the core of, of, of his own struggle. He wanted to be like God. But since he can't, he since he lost that battle, he thought he'd come down here and mess with God's kids and try to get them to do the same thing. And so, of course, they succumb to that temptation. And they eat that fruit. God shows up and he starts laying out the curse and he talks to Adam and then he talks to Eve and then he talks to the devil and he says, listen, here's what's going to happen through Eve. This is Genesis 3.15. Okay. If you want to look this up and I'm just going to paraphrase it here, but he says through Eve, there's going to come a descendant and he's going to rise up and, and there's going to be war between you and this, this seed of Eve. And he says, Satan, you're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head and the strike the heel and crush the head are the, are the powerful phrases in that, that uh, verse because he's saying, look, you, yes, you're going to strike him and that's the cross. He, it's, it, it's, there's going to be a, a blow there. He's going experience death. Jesus went through death for us. We all know we get at the cross. He laid his life down for us. But guess what happened on the resurrection or at the resurrection? He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered sin. He conquered the power of death and he crushed the head of Satan. And in the Bible, to crush someone's head is to crush their power. Okay. The devil has no power. None. He's done. He can intimidate. He can, you know, use smoke and mirrors. He can try to discourage you. He can tempt or tug at your flesh and try to get you to give in to the cravings of your flesh and pull you away from a pure devotion to Christ. And all of that is stuff we really need to be aware of. That's the spiritual battle we fight as we're striving to grow in Christ. But it's more of an inward battle with our flesh and our own tendencies. And Satan just kind of plays on our weaknesses. But uh, he has no power over you especially in Christ. He has no power. His head has been crushed. In James chapter 4, verse 7, let me set this up as James is speaking here in James chapter 4, verse 7. Here's his mindset. I'm talking to people who've been justified. You're in Christ. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're a new creation. You, you've been made right with God through your faith in Jesus, okay? But you're in this battle. You're battling your flesh. You're battling the, the appetites of your flesh. You're, you're having to tear down strongholds. You're having to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the devil is playing on all of that. And he's, he's striving to lure you away from a pure devotion to Christ and, and lead you down paths that are, uh, that are destructive. So here's what you need to do, okay? James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, first thing you need to do is submit to God. This verb is present tense, which means we do it every day. Every day we wake up and I say, God, thank you. This is the day you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to live with my eyes on him. So, so James says, submit to God. That's the first thing you do. You don't go out here and try to battle your flesh or the devil or the world without being submitted to God. That, that, that's a recipe for disaster. So he says, the first thing you do is you, you submit to God. Then once you're submitted to God, then you resist 
the devil. Then you resist whatever it is that's coming against you in this world from a posture of being submitted to God. And then he says, when you're submitted to God and you resist the devil, then he will flee from you. I love it. I love it. Friends, you're loved, you're blessed, you're forgiven, you're justified, you've been brought into the family of God, you're a new creation in Him. He's given you a spirit of power to walk with you, and even in those times when you stumble and you give into your flesh, the spirit is there to to lead you to, to quickly turn your eyes to Jesus, confess, move on, and thank God for fresh grace, and you just continue to grow more and more in Him. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that God is at work in all things for our good. That includes our struggles, our defeats, our temptations, our failures, our, 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 our struggles with sin, all of it. Because even in those times, we're learning, we're growing, we're renewed every time we turn to Christ and we're thankful again for His fresh grace and His love. God is working in the bitter times, in the sweet times, to grow us up in our relationship with Him. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, we're told that the devil and his angels are cast into the lake of fire forever forever. They're destroyed. They're gone. And it's right after this chapter that God begins to usher in the new creation. And we begin to walk with him in a new time, a new age. And there won't be any sin and there won't be flesh and there won't be these struggles. So here's the deal. The next time the devil comes to you and he tries to screw you up, he starts reminding you of your past. He loves to do that. Oh, you know, you did this, and you've done that, and you've thought this, and you're nothing, and you're a loser, and you know how wicked and broken you are. How could God love you? In other words, when the devil tries to remind you of your past and defeat you that way, here's what you need to do. You need to remember Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and you need to remind him of his future. And you need to say, look, I get my past. That's why it's called salvation. That's why it's called grace, because I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. This is why every time the devil tries to tell you how rotten you are, just just remind him, that's what makes my Savior so awesome, because he's so good. He loves me. He's cleansed me. He's made me new. And guess what, enemy? You're headed for the lake of fire, and I'm headed for glory, not because of me, but because of my awesome Savior. Be encouraged, man, in that. It's awesome. All right, man, now let's talk about this song, Back to the Pit. It's a track from my 2003 demo, Rock You Up. Um, it's funny, Back to the Pit, Back to the Pit. I keep singing that throughout this whole song. And and I I was kind of thinking about the abyss, the pit, the, the book of Revelation says that the devil is thrown into, and uh, it really... Theologically, I'm not talking about that at all. The sentiment of the song is just a reminder that he's a nasty, dirty enemy. He's defeated. He's crushed. Everything we've been talking about in this whole podcast, right? He, he tries to intimidate. He tries to deceive and lure us away, but he's powerless. And we're children of God, and we have the Word, and we have the Spirit, and we're blessed, and we're loved, and all of that. And we just need to stand firm and throw the old devil back to the pit, which is just a way of saying, you know what? Stomp on him in Jesus' name and keep your eyes on Jesus and remember that he's headed for the lake of fire and you're headed for glory, man. This is a really hard rocking, slamming song, so I hope you got your head banging shoes on and uh, I hope it rocks you up for Jesus. Thanks for spending some time with me, man. Here it is Back to the Pit.
All right. Hey, man, thanks so much for hanging out with me on this podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it, and I hope it totally rocked you up for Jesus. As we wrap things up here, let me quickly say, if you dig what I'm doing, man, and you're blessed by the music, the podcast, the teaching videos, etc., and you want to support this ministry, this mission to reach classic metalheads for Jesus, I want to invite you to head over to my Patreon page and learn how your just couple dollars a month will make a huge difference in this ministry. And also about some amazing exclusive benefits that you'll receive in exchange for your support. The link to my Patreon page will be at the very top of the show notes. So head over there, check it out, learn about it, pray about it. And whatever you decide, man, God bless you. And thanks for being part of the Pastor Brad Rocks family, man. Remember to like, share, subscribe, leave comments, all those things. That helps the show to grow. Really appreciate it. Stop by PastorBradRocks.net sometime. Over there, you can learn all about the ministry, the music, get some free uh, music downloads, all kind of cool stuff. Also, if you're interested in following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, best decision you'll ever, ever, ever make, promise bar none. You can learn about that over at PastorBradRocks.net as well, or leave a comment here. I'll get back with you. Shoot me an email at PastorBrad at AOL.com. Yes, I still use AOL. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with me, man. Until next time, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless you. Pastor Brad, out.